So speaking of test drives, you went recently to California to drive the new Toyota Prius Prime. So yeah. the hybrid with uh, plug-in hybrid, I should say. That, That's right. And uh, with a... Um, a much different look. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> the outgoing vehicle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, when we saw the fifth generation Prius for the first time, I was like, "Wow! Finally, Toyota made it." I would say approachable. <laughs> it might not Sex, be sexier. A little sexier yeah. because you know, within what five generations, it was you. You know, the Prius used to be little small, little cute, and then after that, it was like sci-fi and then a little bit more of a, a you know, like extraterrestrial looks. I think Toyota was trying to give it more of a futuristic look to make make it em- stand out, yeah, emulate yeah. the technologies yeah. that it's using, hybrid technology that it, that it's using. And the thing at Toyota now, and we spoke about that. Uh, a couple of episodes ago is that they're not you know they're not ahead in the EV game but they've always been in the hybrid business and on top of it they've always been on top of this stuff and then mm-hmm. when Toyota talks about it in the presentation they say well we don't believe in EVs right now right away and then we say well no but just because you've believed in hybrids too much and then now you're late to the party it's there's a big discussion that we can have on that especially with you know people in uh, Toyota uh, that that kind of trying to justify this uh, however it doesn't take away the fact that uh, Toyota hybrids are very good uh, except little hiccups here and there with cables and stuff like that if they can keep that away from their their, their vehicles the performance is good and the uh, and the um, the uh, uh, fuel efficiency is as well uh, so my colleague Germain went to try the traditional Prius which is a hybrid normal hybrid and uh, a couple of months later now last week I was in the same area in California to drive the prime a version of that Prius. Uh, Prime, if you don't know what Toyota is, it just means that you can plug it in at home or on a public charger, a level two charger, and you can drive it on a certain uh, distance, fully electrical. So the Prius kind of, the Prius Prime ca- can personify an electric car this time because it used to be about 45 kilometers, 40 or 45 kilometers, I think so, with the, the, the outgoing Prius Prime. Now you can drive it for 70. Uh, it's a game changer for a lot of people because 70 kilometers of commute could be uh, much more opportunities on there but also it has much more power and you know like I say in the video and on the site if you check out my my test drive you'll see that it's not the most it's not the the most powerful vehicle that we're going to drive at the at the car guide this year however with 220 horsepower it's almost 100 horsepower more than the outgoing generation which is Mm -hmm. gives it a little bit more um, a little bit more, it makes it a little bit more attractive uh, to a certain class of buyers. That you mentioned also the styling, uh, which is uh, pretty, you know, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's something that uh, it's, uh, it makes it more approachable and it's uh, definitely prettier than the outgoing generation. Uh, the uh, new Prius also has a new interior, uh, which uh, I would an uh, uh, instrument cluster that uh, kind of takes inspiration from the uh, BZ4X, the electric car. Um, instrument cluster that is kind of it's cluttered, uh, it's high. It kind of emulates a, a, a um, head-up display, uh, display without being one. It's kind of um, uh, something that I didn't particularly appreciate from the vehicle. However, the 12.3 inch. Uh, infotainment screen is definitely something that's uh, revolutionary in that vehicle because it gets the new Toyota 
infotainment system interface, which is much easier than what it used to be. I mean, you remember mm-hmm. how how that infotainment system was a little little bit harder to uh, to operate, and also gets um, a little bit more space, a little bit more comfort. I mean, I I drove for about a full day in the, in the Prius, and it's a very small car. It's not very big, you know. It's it's uh, compared to everything we drive now is always SUVs, a little bit more headroom, a little bit a little bit more space, uh, and it's a compact car, but it doesn't quite feel like one. I felt very comfortable, very roomy, and that's part of the dashboard design uh, of the whole thing. Makes yeah, it a little the, bit more. The slope of the windshield has a lot to do with that as well. Probably does, yeah, <laughs> you know, because you're, <laughs> when you're looking in front, right? So, I mean, it's it, it, it's it's got so it was so easy to be better than what it used to be. Yeah. But then again, I think that it's for that for the price. I'll get to the price a little later, but for the particular. You know, driving dynamics, which are f- totally acceptable, the new power and the fact that you can drive for 70 kilometers, uh, without, uh, without having to, to, uh, to replug or fuel or anything, uh, that makes a difference. And there's a lot of people are going to be looking at that car. Um, the entry price, uh, is, um, 37,990. And then you get a five thousand uh, dollar federal incentive, and then wherever the province uh, you live, you, you'll, you'll you'll get another uh, provincial incentive. So it makes it, you know, even if it's a small car, I don't think you get people think, well, I should get more car if I'm going to go thirty, you know, upper thirties or forty. The Prius doesn't feel that small. It's got plenty of cargo space as well. The, the, the you know, and in the rear, it's totally acceptable. The problem with the Prius Prime is going to be the same problem as the RAV4 the, the Prime is, you know, is there going to be supply? Exactly. Now, we ask these questions all the time, and then they always answer the same thing. You know, we're, we're putting more efforts, and but they have to put more efforts to the RAV4 the, the Prime as well, because people, That's it's, the demand, so, is. demand is, right? So how are they going to balance that? Cars are going to be pushed in Quebec and uh, British Columbia at first. So that's another thing. But uh, like I said, I mean, at, at Toyota, they say, well, you know, they don't have another product to compete right mm-hmm. right now. You know, the B, BZ4X, it's hard to compete with that vehicle with, with the other EVs. So a plug-in hybrid with 70 kilometers, I hope Toyota's going to, you know, prepare to make some because people are going to want it. Not only Prius owners that, you know, wear socks in their sandals. It's not, the Prius is not that anymore. It's the, it's on everybody's car. And, 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 you know, it could be, a, it could be a very good alternative to all the SUVs that are out there. Well, interesting. I hope it does well. And like you said, I hope they are able to manufacture it in significant numbers to, to, to meet with the uh, demand. Yeah. Obviously. Um, you were, uh, driving a few vehicles, we'll start with the uh, the one that is more mainstream, and then we'll end with the uh, the absolute treat that <laughs> I want. I want to hear about it because uh, we haven't even had the time to sp- speak about it before we got into the studio. Uh, the CX ninety uh, yeah. Mazda CX ninety twenty twenty three. We spoke about it on the. Um, uh, at the presentation and mm-hmm. you gave us the whole layout of the tech and how the materials yeah. and it's it's kind of flirting with the luxury segments now you got to drive it yeah and i can tell you right now it's the best handling best driving three row suv period wow <laughs> wow know? that's a bold statement yeah. i like to hear that because, that's good uh, you know, Mazda has always been known for dynamics, uh, and it's always been known also for uh, uh, the fun to drive factor. And this one 
you know, really hits the, the nail on the head. It is a large vehicle. It is a three-row SUV, but it doesn't feel like a three-row SUV when yeah. you drive it. And there's a number of reasons for that because, you know, they, they do a lot with regards to chassis tuning, suspension tuning, things like that. Right. And they've also got a system uh, developed for this vehicle, which is called, uh, they call it kinetic posture control. And essentially, it's basically um, a system that will selectively break the rear inside wheel when you're cornering so that the vehicle can actually turn in better. Right. And they tune the suspension geometry to make it so that, you know, the, the vehicle handles really, really well and doesn't toss you around okay. as a passenger or as a driver. So the ride is incredibly smooth. The vehicle goes faster than it has any right to in corners, you know, for, 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 <laughs> for big, the size, for yeah. the size. And it's really, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a great, great feeling. If you, if you enjoy driving, that's the one you want to get because it's, it, you know, it'll run circles around the Telluride or a Santa Fe or anything like that. Right. In terms of dynamics, it is the benchmark for three row SUVs and it handles so well that you're, you know, basically the competition is like a German SUV or something like that, you know, from a German brand or, and, but those don't necessarily have three rows except yeah. like the X7 and things like that, which is much larger than, than what this is. But at any rate, <clears throat> that was really uh, super interesting. And those, the standout obviously is the new, uh, six cylinder in line six. We've talked about it uh, a lot. 3.3 liters yes. in line six incredibly smooth lots of torque it's not you know it, it doesn't give you a, a kick in, in in the butt under you know hard acceleration right but it's it's so smooth and the power well, just keeps on flowing and it's it's very it how can i put it you were talking about balance last yeah, time exactly. how, how well balanced these the, yeah. the inline six any inline six is but particularly yeah. that one the smoothness uh, it's, it, you know, it, it, it's like a, it's a creamy power plant. Okay. Know, it's like, yeah, yeah. like oozes the, the, the torque and the power. Okay. It's not, you know, it, it, it won't knock your head back into the, the headrest. Yes. But it, it does the job so well. Okay. And it really, um, it really transforms, adds a lot, I think, to, to the, the, the driving experience. They also have, you know, the four cylinder turbo with the, with the electric. Uh, motor, which is the same torque numbers as the as the inline six, but then you know in terms of engine sound, it, it's a four cylinder. It's a little bit coarser under uh -huh. hard acceleration. The if you're looking at you know looking for something that's smooth and that drives well, yeah, the inline six is the is is the, is way, the way to, way to go. go. And both are paired now with an eight speed automatic transmission, which does a lot in terms of fuel economy. Yeah, so you're looking at you know uh, an average fuel economy number. That's like lower than 10, uh, liters per hundred. So that's pretty, pretty darn nice. Even with the PHEV, uh, 2.5 liter with the electric motor, when the, when, when you deplete all of the energy of the battery, it's, it's not that much. It's like 42 kilometers uh -huh. that you, you'll be able to do on electric drive alone. Um, but even when you deplete that, the average fuel economy is 9.4. So yeah, that's pretty cool because that's one of the things that we didn't like about Mazda. Uh, you know, like we we drove yeah, the all the vehicles, yeah. the six-speed that yeah. was kind yeah. of like, you know, 
uh, encouraging the engine of like like chug chug, you know, <laughs> to drink more more uh, petrol. Now it's kind of everything's put into to gear to be able to be attractive to uh, the clientele that wants something that's a little bit more efficient. And uh, I think that's about it. What about um, what about pricing? We're, we're talking about the uh, the uh, you, you know German SUVs being you know, close, a very close competition and, and you know, them yeah. being so expensive. Yeah, how, exactly. How? Now, this one is pretty, pretty good because you're looking at, you know, a base model. Uh, it starts, the, the GS model, which is the entry-level model, is uh, $45,900, which is not much for a three-row SUV yeah, when you think about uh, it. And if you're looking at, you know, the top of the line signature model, uh, you're looking at $63,000. So again, that's not half bad. It's no, very, it's a very, very attractive good. proposition. Yeah. With regards to, uh, also with, with regards to the styling of the vehicle. I mean, the, the thing's a knockout. I mean, I really like the exchange. Obviously, this is strictly, you know, personal. And yeah. Subjective. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder kind of thing. Yeah. But I think it looks really, really good. Mm. It really looks high end. And the interior is absolutely gorgeous as well. Wow. So the only downside, you know, there's still, doing this uh, thing with the uh, infotainment where you have to use the, the rotary controller oh, for, no. for half the features. <laughs> and then, but your Apple CarPlay is, uh, is a touchscreen. So that's, that's okay. good. But they've kept uh, that rotary controller and that's, yeah, that well, would be, that would be a, a bit of a downside. Yeah. But, and also <clears throat> in terms of uh, cargo room, not as much as uh, like a Telluride or a Santa Fe. So it's a little bit smaller than, than mm-hmm. that. But still, it's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it, the compromise you, the, on cargo volume sometimes goes yeah. into style. So yeah. it's, it's, especially that Mazda, it's, they're not always the top in versatility, but. This one looks really good. Yeah. It drives incredibly well. Okay. And like I said, if you have to have a, a three row SUV and you enjoy driving. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one you want. A family hauler with, <laughs> exactly. uh, with a little bit, a little bit more punch than the rivals. Yeah. Um, so. The other vehicle, yes, <laughs> it's it's some of the one of the last of its kind, you know. Like we said at the, at BMW with the uh, the transition to EVs, uh, the M2. Yeah, the M2, perfectly sized the sports car. Yeah, and, and well, you know, there. First of all, it's going to be it's the last M car. Yeah, that will strictly be internal combustion. Strictly internal combustion, yeah, which exactly. is could be. Which means that the next ones, you know, could be hybrids. Could be hybrid, could, like be EV, could be EV. You know. They will be hybrids. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we know uh, that. Of course, but, <laughs> but eventually all EVs, but then, yeah. then again, that's another. So it's the last one that you can get with strictly, you know, uh, a gas-powered engine. That's, that's the only way that you can drive this thing that, that, oh. that moves the M2. Yeah. That, in terms of, um, you know, it's the M2 now. Is bigger than before than the outgoing model. First, it's the second generation M2. Yep. It's bigger than the outgoing model uh, because it's based on the CLAR platform, CLAR, CLAR, which underpins the M3 and the M4. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of size, it's actually a little bit more like an M4 <laughs> than the outgoing model. You know, it's bigger. It's bigger. Car. Yeah. yeah. It's wider. Uh, it's a little bit longer. It's uh, a little bit taller as well, um, and um, it's also heavier. Uh, so it weighs just about. It's very the weight of the M2 is very close now to to, to that of the M4. Okay, because it also has the same engine, <laughs> but <laughs> basically detuned version of the uh, the engine that's that sits in the M3 and the M4. So it produces a little bit less power mm-hmm. uh, in the M2. Uh, we're talking about 
400, uh, exactly 453 horsepower, which is a lot. Which is a lot. Which is 90 horsepower more than the previous generation M2. Mm. So when I was looking at all this size, weight, power of the engine, things like that, I was kind of like wor- worried a little bit that, you know, have we lost yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask. nimble yeah. handling that, you know, that... Because it's that, almost as heavy as an M3. And yeah, then, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they've done a lot of work with regards to the uh, to the suspension of uh, of this car. Also yep. with the, the chassis, they've done some strengthening at different uh, key areas. And the car just, you know, yes, it is heavier for sure. Uh, but it you don't feel the weight. Yeah. You know, it really handles really like a... Like the old one used to, even though the old one was lighter and less powerful, this feels just about the same. Okay. It's pretty darn uh, significant. And you can still get, you know, a six-speed manual gearbox, oh which is what, what I drove it in. And you can get the carbon bucket seats as part of the carbon package. That's like a thirteen thousand dollar option. <laughs> that's <laughs> so buckets of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, buckets of money for the bucket seats. But essentially, you know, we're talking about price. You know, the the thing is also you know gotten to be a little bit expensive because right. you know when you're looking at um, the base price, which is. Fairly high, seventy six thousand five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and the one I drove, like I said, with that thirteen dollar carbon option, which is not only the seats but also a couple of yeah. carbon bits, ninety four thousand three hundred fifty dollars. So yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of dough for that uh, segment, that particular category. It's yeah. getting and expensive. I, you know exactly. Well, it's typical BMW. Yeah. You know, uh, Options, you know, it's yeah. BMW break my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> the old saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Break so. my wallet. That's the first time I hear that. It's good. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, like I said, the the, the car uh, the car drives wonderfully. Um, inside, you've got the new curved display with the eighth generation iDrive. So you basically get the same uh, infotainment and uh, interface as you get on pretty much all BMWs right now from the i7 all the way down. Right. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's a neat system once you figure it out because there's so many sub-menus. So many sub yeah. But to give you an, an idea, uh, with, the, with the manual transmission, there's a rev matching, you know, for the engine when you're downshifting. But you, by way of the iDrive, you can turn that off simply by pressing on one of the, one of the, 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 the screens to, to to access the menu for okay. the M drive and things like that, and you can just turn it off. That's it. And then you're blipping the throttle yourself, which is what I like to do. Okay. But the fact that you can do that, you know, it's very driver focused. Yeah, deal. exactly. Yeah. Once you get to know, understand all the menus, and there are a lot of sub menus and things like that. But once you figure that out, you're good. You know, right. you can really tune the the car. There's also a, a, a drift feature. You can adjust the angle of the car that if you want to go drifting and things like that. That's the only downside, perhaps, to this drive is that when we when I drove the first generation M2, it was at Laguna Seca. When I drove the M2 CS of the previous generation, it was at Mossport. And now we've got the new one, and they didn't book a track in Arizona. So we only had the public roads. So there's a limit to what you can do in terms of... To push you know, it. To push yeah. it, because, you know, quite frankly, there are other people on the road, and not to mention our friends who drive... You know, cars with lights on top. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so there's a break my wallet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> or something else. But um, you know, like that, it, it would have been nice 
to to have been able to drive it on a racetrack to really push it to the max. And, yeah. You know, and, uh, so we didn't quite get to do that. However, the roads in Arizona, in the area of Arizona, north of Scottsdale, where we were, are, is a very nice proving ground. But again, you know, we didn't get to push it to the absolute limit. And if you're reading somewhere, somebody who drove this car who said that he pushed it to the limit and he threw it sideways. And, He's either lying or he's a very creative writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because, you know, on public roads, you can't really do that. Yeah, on, on especially that type of car. Exactly. You know. Yeah. So, but at any rate, um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it, it, it's it's an interesting car. And so, for, you know, at first, at launch, there's only going to be five colors available. So you're basically looking at uh, Toronto red. That's oh, what they wow. call their red, shade of red at BMW. There is a <clears throat> Zandvoort blue, which is like, like a baby blue, really good looking. I saw that one, yep. yeah. Uh, Brooklyn gray, uh, Alpine white, and sapphire black. Okay. For now, those are the only five uh, colors you can get. Later, they'll add other colors, but they won't be able to add the frozen matte colors uh, for the M2 because the plant where the the Series 2 is built now. All of the Series 2 uh, models is in Mexico, and that plant is not uh, set up. It's to not tooled for the, yeah, for for the matte colors. So. Yeah, for the matte colors. So okay. that maybe eventually they'll be able to, you know, make an addition to the paint shop to do some frozen colors for this. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not really, you know, <laughs> not really worried about it. <laughs> <Not> exactly. <laughs> okay. A very cool drive of the uh, the new BMW M2. I can't wait to see it on the road. Last week, I was in uh, Asheville, uh, North Carolina, to drive uh, the Mercedes-Benz GLE uh, lineup. Still under embargo, meaning we can't talk about driving impressions now. Uh, the Mercedes-Benz GLE family SUV got a, a little bit of retouches, aesthetics, as well as technology. We'll know more about that once I complete my drive uh, next week. And you can uh, keep posting on the site, but as well as on the podcast, I'll be talking about it because there's a lot of cars in that lineup and a lot of stuff we're going to get. Some of them we're not going to get. Uh, so I'll keep you posted on that. Uh, Gab, you're going to... Uh, Western Canada to drive a very popular model here. Yeah, the Subaru Crosstrek. So obviously, uh, uh, this is a new generation for this model. It was introduced uh, not too long ago. And in New York City, as a matter of fact, they introduced the uh, wilderness uh, variant of uh, the yes. Crosstrek. So wilderness everything at Subaru now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so more more black uh, body cladding and, and things like that. Yes. Um, but it's going to be, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to driving the Crosstrek because it is, in my estimation, you know, one of the best, um, uh, it's got the best suspension setup for yes. North American roads. Yeah, that's, you know, a, that's a good we, point. <laughs> you, we have some, some pretty crappy roads sometimes in North America. Yeah. And the way that they've designed the suspension on the Crosstrek, it's got, you know, quite enough in terms of movement and, and right. it absorbs bumps really well and it, for a small uh, SUV like that it's probably the you know the best riding uh, SUV in, in that in that category for ride comfort yes so I'm looking forward to see how the new one fares on, on that account and obviously you know you still get reacquainted with that 
you know, great boxer engine and things like that, and everything yeah. that makes a Subaru a Subaru. A Subaru. <laughs> so, um, looking forward to uh, to driving the uh, the Crosstrek uh, out in uh, out in BC, and we'll be able to report on that once once I get back. Of course. Uh, one more thing, probably I'll be driving the GMC Canyon 84X. That's the uh, uh, the midsize uh, pickup truck at GMC. 84X means a whole lot of off-roading bits, namely uh, Multimatic suspension components and a whole bunch of uh, other uh, stuff that's been added to this vehicle that's been revamped. Uh, so maybe we'll have time to talk about it the next episode. Maybe we won't, but that's another drive that's going to happen. But I have one question for you. Yes. Will you get it dirty? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if it's got gold, multi-mali golden on, on underneath, it has to go in the mud. But yeah, the, uh, you don't want to see that gold tint on the on the, uh, the the suspension anymore. It's the the multi-matic signature. That's what it's for. Uh, but yeah, more power, uh, 310 horsepower, 430 foot-pounds of torque for the uh, the GMC Canyon, which ditched the uh, the old the corporate 3.6 mm-hmm. engine as well as a diesel. Uh, so we're going to be uh, trying out that high output uh, four-cylinder engine. And uh, that's going to be it. So uh, thanks everyone for listening for this uh, to this 12th episode of the Car Guide podcast. Follow us also on uh, social media, but certainly take a look at the drives we talk, we spoke about today on the website. It's going to be more details, more impressions, and especially more photos and videos uh, for you to watch. So thank you very much, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. So long and take care. Thank you for listening to the Car Guide podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.